Well, we're into our third week of our SHAPE series, and I've been hearing some good feedback from some of our Connect groups about discussions that have been happening around the spiritual gifts that we looked at last week. One of the things that I want to continue to reiterate, though, and this is, this is really important, uh, doing the SHAPE course is, is not all about seeking to find God's specific shape for serving in the church. It is all about seeking to find God's specific shape for you in order that you may live out kingdom values in your everyday life. So when you go to work, when you go to school, when you uh, get your coffee from the cafe, all those areas that you do, when you go to the gym, whatever it might be, that you will live out the shape that God has made you in every area of your life. My hope is that we'll see God's people throughout the outer suburbs of Melbourne serving God in ways that he's created them to serve. You know, some people within your shape, you might find space within the church to use your gifts. And that's great. And we really love that and we need that. You might find that your abilities and passion fit within the, the context of the church. But others might be called to some ministry or to their neighbours or develop something new that impacts their whole community in some way. Whatever comes from this series, my hope is that we will actively engage as the people of God in the mission of God through using your specific shape for ministry. So keep on working out what your shape is. As we go through it, speak to other people. If you're not in a connect group, that's okay. Have a chat to a friend who might be doing the shape series with us as well. Talk about it and seek to see how you can bring glory to God in and through it. So this morning we're looking at the H, the H part, the S-H-A-P-E, that's all an acronym. The H is all about the heart, or, or it really is about unlocking your passions. What are your passions? What are you passionate about? What is it that set your heart in tune with God's heart? I love the lyrics of the song uh, Hosanna by Hillsong's Brook Liturgwood. I'm not going to say that all the time because it's not Ligertwood, I think it is. It's not an easy one to say. So I'll just say Brooke. So when you hear Brooke, it's the, the lady that wrote uh, the Hosanna song from Hillsong. And this is what it says at the, at the start, uh, in, the, in, the, in the chorus, in the bridge of this song. It says, Heal my heart and make it clean. Open, I should sing it, shouldn't I? No, I won't sing it. We'll sing it, we'll sing it later. Uh, Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I am for your kingdom's cause, as I walk from earth into eternity. I love those words because in it I'm, I'm drawn in three ways. I'm drawn to the state of my own heart. I'm also drawn to my heart's regeneration. And I'm also drawn to my heart's passions as well. If we look into the book of Colossians and open into chapter 3, if you've got your Bible there, you might want to do that. Uh, we have Paul sharing, and, and we're going to see how this fits into that. We've got Paul sharing with the church in Colossae some encouragement to live lives as though we've been made new and alive in Christ. It, it was seen that the church wasn't quite living out their ordained lives to their fullest, as John 10.10 would suggest that they do. They were living with false teachings that were leading them and sort of the direction of the church astray. And, and, and Paul's coming into a system that 
is totally broken. And if you read the whole of Colossians 3, you'll see that Paul has a whole lot to say about personal conduct, or personal misconduct, probably more so, and conduct within Christian households. Now, I'm not going to go through all of that today, because that'll take away what we're talking about, which is our shape for mission and ministry. But it's important to note that Paul speaks into what is a broken church system, and he brings a message of purity and equality to the Christian life. He's calling God's people to wholeness. He's calling God's people to a life that reflects Christ. And within that, there are some verses that hit to our very heart, the heart of who we are. So I'm going to read now Colossians 3, verses 15 to 17, and then 23 and 24. So, and I'm reading from the NIV. It says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. If you can move down to verse 23, it says this, and you'll hear it, it's a similar sort of verse. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You know, that term heart occur, occurs over a thousand times throughout Scripture. And when the term is used, it's generally used not as a, a muscle that pumps blood around the body, rather it more denotes the center of sort of physical, emotional, moral and spiritual activities. As Samuel looked for a king of Israel, he searched, brought, brought about these famous words from 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his, his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him, the brothers. <laughs> the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward experience, appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. You know, God wasn't looking for a king and looking to make sure that the cardiovascular systems were working well because the pressure of a king, God needed, needed someone with a, a really healthy heart. He wasn't looking for that. <laughs> Rather, God was looking for someone whose heart beat in the same rhythm as his own, whose heart broke for the things that broke the heart of God. Indeed, he was called a man after God's, David was called a man after God's own heart. So as we look at the scripture from Colossians and tie it together with Brooks' song, Hosanna, we'll see God's longing for us to ask three questions about our own heart. Firstly, What's the state of your own heart? Colossians 3.15 says this. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Do you know that the peace of Christ will lead to peace-filled relationships? Brooke says that my heart, says, Heal my heart and make it clean in her song. This implies that the default position of our heart is actually unclean. Now, King David 
writing Psalm 50 run. He cries out to God in repentance, understanding the wrong that his heart has caused. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Oh, I could have sung that one as well. Keith Ring does a great musical version of that. I, I could sing it to you. We're probably running out of time, so I won't sing that one. But <laughs> this all implies that each of us has turned our back on God. If we need a clean heart, it means that our hearts have been unclean. That's our very nature. That's why Jesus came, because at the slightest chance, we actually turn away from God. And Isaiah 53 says this, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of of us all. It's inherent in all of us. Our hearts are led towards things, other things, that, and, and we try and fill it, and, and we, we, we fail again and again. It's sort of like going on a diet. You're keeping this massive bowl of chocolate on the table. <laughs> Take it from me, that doesn't work. <laughs> We're naturally drawn back to a false self that we create and we believe we might need, a self that tells us to... Share that little embellishment so that makes you look good in everyone's eyes. A a self that in the private moments of your life gets drawn into things that you know don't fit into the heart of God. You know, even David, this man after God's own heart, had this inner struggle as well. He he spied on his neighbor while the husband was out fighting for him. He ordered her to come and come to his palace, slept with her, got her pregnant, and then set her husband out to fight on the front line, knowing that he'd be killed. If you thought your private life had problems, have a chat to David. <laughs> no wonder he wrote Psalm 51. The false self draws us into those downward spirals that, that tell us the lies that we're bad or that we're not, we're not good enough or, or that we're not worthy of his love. I think at times we all need to cry out like David did. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Or heal my heart and make it clean. I wonder if this needs to be your heart cry today. Ask yourself, what's the state of your heart? The second question we've got to ask in this space is, have you accepted God's heart regeneration plan? Colossians 3.16, it reminds me that, that, um, that, us, that the cure for an unclean heart comes directly from the message that comes from Christ. It says this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. If ever there was a message of redemption, it comes directly from the cross of Christ. Because whilst we were still running from the penalty that we actually deserve, Jesus was running towards that penalty for us. You know, the penalty of continually walking away from God and doing my own thing, that's, that's the definition of sin. It, it actually deserves a separation from God. Yet, this is the message of Christ in Romans 6.23. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages, the, the penalty of walking away from God, it's actually death. And that death is a separation from God, a total separation from God. Yet the, the greater plan from God was that none shall perish, 
There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. God's heart plan is salvation for all. Hosanna, the song, it goes on to say, show me how to love like you love me. And you know what? That's got to be the starting point for us, doesn't it? That we accept the love of Christ. That, that plan that he has, that God had for all of us. Because he loved you so much. And it's the starting point for loving others as well. Because if we can accept the love that comes from God, then we're going to actually accept or love others in the same way. Accepting that immense love that was shown on the cross, it it opens up our, our hearts and our eyes and our mind to how God calls us to love ourselves, but also to love one another. You know, when we experience God's heart of love for us, who He rescued us, He He restored us, we start to get a glimpse into the love of God and what God wants to share with others that don't know Him yet. You know, if you've not accepted this love for you, or if you've heard about it and sort of not accepted it for yourself, now I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, it's the greatest gift you will ever receive. God says, accept the gift of love through Christ today. It's his plan for you. And it's a regenerational plan for your heart. So that you will be full. You know, this regeneration of our heart leads to our third question that we have to ask. That we're we're to seek hearts that beat with the same rhythm as God's heart. And the question is, is your heart beating in the same rhythm as God's? When you've understood the depth of God's love for you, you'll actually start to seek to love as God loves you. But your heart will also start ticking to the same beat as God's. Now, if you're younger than maybe 30 or so, you'll have no idea what this audio is, but I'm going to play this a little bit of audio, so listen up for this. third stroke, it will be 8, 59, and 30 seconds. Some of you guys know it then here, yeah. <laughs> no. if, if, if you don't know it, this is the, the talking clock. Um, the talking clock it was in use for 66 years, and it only got turned off in June 2019. I didn't realise that. I thought it stopped long, long ago. But you used to be able to call up a number... To the, to the clock to find out what the exact time was. He had the, that, that man had the exact time. <laughs> I used to call up the talking clock all the time to adjust my, my watch and to the exact time of the talking clock. And, and, and I'm sure that the clock got to know me because I, I was on there all the time. I'd just call up just to listen to the fellow go, doop, doop, doop. I, I once even had a watch that ticked. So I think it might have been my, grandma, my grandpa's, you, know, you either turned a thing or you shook it or something like that. And, and anyway, I remember calling up the clock and I got the watch, the sort of watch out and, and the tick went at the same speed. Doop, doop. Oh, I just loved it. it. Maybe I had a funny childhood, I'm not sure, but the clock was good. Anyway, I would synchronise my watch to the clock, uh, the, the talking clock, and then you'd synchronise your, your um, clocks around your home to the same thing. So the poor guy who had that job, 66 years of saying the same thing every 24 hours, that's, um, ten, that's a big job. <laughs> at the third stroke, it will be... And then the beeps go. But in the end, my, my watch and the talking clock would actually tick in time with one another. You know, 
as we tune into the heart of God, as we nurture our relationship with Him, we're, we're going to see more and more God's heart for the world and our heart starts to beat at the same beat. But unfortunately, like my watch, over time it would start to slow down and veer from the consistency of the talking clock. That talking clock had it right every single time. He never got it wrong. But my watch started to slow down. And we also, we might start strong and, and, and be right in tune with God and our hearts are beating in the same way. But over time we start to waver. And we have to constantly readjust our heartbeat to be in time with God's. Colossians, two times in the Colossians, in the verses we read, give us the same sort of impression. It says in verse 17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Then down to verses 23 and 24. Whatever, you, you, whatever your task, work heartily as if serving the Lord and not men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You know, whatever we do, Paul is urging the church and its people to do everything in the name of the Lord. Whatever you do, whatever your task, work as if you're serving the Lord. Have a heart that beats in time with God's heart. As your heart beats to the same beat of God's heart, you're going to be drawn into what God's great dream for you is. Your heart's passion starts to become the things that, are, that God is passionate about. You might find a deep compassion for the needy or the lost. You might have a great longing to feed the hungry. Your heart may beat to set up some sort of charity or something that helps those who are disadvantaged. Break my heart for what breaks yours is what um, Brooks' song says. As your heart beats at the same beat as God's, his heartbeat will start to stir you. Your heart's desires will become the desires of God and God will start to use that, that passion that's been built up because of your beating heart. He'll start to use that for his glory. But we've got one more question to ask. How do you start living out your heart's desire? Rick Warren, he puts it well in The Purpose Driven Life. You might have read it many years ago. It says this, Physically, each of us has a unique heartbeat. Just as we have, each have unique thumbprints, eyeprints, and voice prints, it's amazing that all of the billions of people who have ever lived, no one has had a heartbeat exactly like yours. In the same way, God has given us a unique emotional heartbeat that races when we think about the subjects, activities, or circumstances that interest us. We instinctively care about some things and not about others. These reveal the nature of your heart. So if we want to find out what our heartbeat is, and if we connect with uh, our spiritual gifts from last week, you may have identified, bringing them together, it actually helps us to find what it is that, that uh, drives our passion. So, so briefly, here are four essential sort of questions to start living out your heart's desire. The first thing is, what drives you? I had my first experience with an Uber driver when I'd locked my keys in the house, and Solari should already come to the worship practice, and, and I was stuck. I was stuck at home. 
Uh, I was meant to be coming to church to preach, and I got stuck at home. So I got on this app, and I called the Uber driver. And seven minutes later, he was there, and he was driving me to my destination. He even got a five-star rating from me. <laughs> I knew the destination. I just needed someone to get me there. I needed a driver to get me moving towards the place where I was going, my goals. You know, the key to discovering the, the, the cravings that the Creator has put in you, to, to finding the things that, that spur you on, that drive you on towards a goal, they, they often lie deep within your spirit. And, and if you don't take the time or, or the effort to identify them or, or to listen to God, you can sometimes miss them. We need to be listening for the whispers of God while you pray those desires, the deep yearnings in your life. Don't just put them aside and say, oh, I'm going to put them over on the desk here and, and maybe one day I'll get back to that. Maybe you need to ask yourself a few other questions. What do my dreams and desires drift towards? What do I really want to do for God? What motivates me to take action or what pulls on my heartstrings and makes me do something about it? tell you, 9-11 was a catalyst for me. Uh, we woke up one morning, that morning, and heard about this thing that had happened, and that made me reassess what my life consisted of. I'd get up, I'd go to work, I'd come home, I'd eat, and I'd sleep. On the weekend, I might go to youth, be a part of the youth group. I was the youth group leader, and I think we did a, a youth group Bible study. But God challenged me to explore the, the discontent that was growing about my life and explore ministry. It was driven by a heart that wanted to make a kingdom difference in lives, especially at the time of young people who needed to know Jesus. You know, after 9-11, it was something that just wouldn't go away. And it drove Solari and I to explore what our next move should be. And we ended up studying at Youth Dimension. Our heart for engaging with youth drove us to action. Second thing we've got to ask is, who do you care about? When the great 19th century preacher Dwight L. Moody was in London during one of his evangelistic tours, several British clergymen visited him and they wanted to know his secret about his preaching. How and why was this poorly educated American so effective in winning the throngs of people to Christ? Well, Moody took the men to the window of his hotel room and he asked them each in turn to tell them what he saw. One by one, the men described the, the people in the park below. And Moody then looked out the window, and tears began to run down his cheeks. Someone asked, what do you see, Mr. Moody? And Moody replied, I see countless thousands of souls that will one day spend eternity in hell if they don't find the Saviour. Because he saw eternal souls where others only saw people strolling in a park. Moody approached life with a different agenda. Clearly, Moody's target audience was those who didn't know Christ. You might feel drawn to people suffering abuse. You might have always had a heart for the homeless or for marriages that are struggling. You know, many great ministries have begun from someone whose heart beat for a group of people. So ask this question. Who or what group of people is God nudging me to help? And how can my particular gifts help to reach them? 
Third thing we need to ask is, what needs will I meet? Now, I'm drawn to the image of Jesus healing the lame man in John chapter 5. And this man, he'd been laying by the pool seeking to find healing in its waters for 38 years. That's not a short time, 38 years. He was never able to get to the pool in time. So, so Jesus, he sees this great need of this man and he says, Get up, pick up your mat, walk. Jesus immediately met the physical need of this somewhat insignificant man in, in the bigger picture after he, he really hits to his spiritual side as well. But apparently this man was so insignificant that the religious leaders come at Jesus with accusations of healing on the Sabbath. In essence, what they're saying is that Sabbath law was more important than the well-being and healing of a man who had been there for such a long time seeking healing. You know, Jesus throughout Scripture puts human life above and before the law. Jesus' heart of compassion for the vulnerable led him to meet their needs. As you think about what your heart beats for, you might want to ask the question, what need am I seeking to meet? It might be a, a physical need to help people. It might be emotional, it might be spiritual, it might be relational need that your heart beats for. Another question you might want to ask is, what needs are you being called to address? Or, or what lessons have I learnt through my time that I could pass on to others? And we'll talk about experiences in a few weeks' time that actually fit into that. Fourth question that we want to, might want to ask in this is, what dream will you fulfill? John Elderidge in his book, Wild at Heart, says, if you had permission to do what you really want to do, what would you do? <laughs> Sometimes we don't follow our heart's call because of, a, of our own fears or, or un uncertainty or in insecurity even. But Eldridge continues, he says, Our goal is to recover that adventure God wrote on your heart when he made you. I like that. Recover the adventure God wrote on your heart when he made you. Your deepest desires reveal your deepest calling, the adventure that God has for you. You know, I wonder, I think maybe our dreams often get buried because they're lost in other things in our jobs that might be unfulfilling, which really became my situation, in situations that are, are dream-blocking or finances that don't seem to stretch into those spaces. However, they're all questions of how, aren't they? I think God asks, what? He's saying, what's been written on your heart? What makes your heart beat at double time? <laughs> what makes you come alive? If, if you could do what you've always wanted to do, what would it be? He asks the question of what? And he allows you to be excited by that. And when he brings an excitement to you, he'll help you to discover how to be driven to that space. So what is it that your heart beats in line with God's heart? What is the passion or that drive that has been placed in you that you can lean upon to impact the kingdom of God? Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. These desires, sort of our heartbeats, they come from God. 
When God gives you a desire, He gives you the power to get out there and do it. He doesn't just give you the desire, this dream, this ambition, this longing, and then goes, you're on your own. (laughs) He's there to help you. But when He gives you this desire and dream, He gives you power to do it. So, So step out. Step out in faith. You might need someone to help you along that journey. Find a teammate in the journey. Find out what you love to do for the sort of God's put it into you to do and do it for His glory. You know, it might be something big and you go, wow, I don't even know where to start on this. But you might want to just start small by buying someone a bag of groceries because they look like they really need it. As we continue to put all these shape blocks together, God's going to continue to use your heart's desires along with the gifts that He's given you to impact the kingdom for His glory. It's going to be a beautiful thing to see when God's people are using the shape that He's given them for His kingdom. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we give you thanks and praise that you are good and that you have instilled in us a heart, passion, a a cry from ourselves that makes our heart beat fast. You've given us this sense of longing to do something, to not sit idly by. But Lord, help us to understand it and help us to in some way act upon what you're placing inside of us. May you help us understand the the use of our spiritual gifts plus the use of this passion that you drive us that we may be kingdom people growing your kingdom or advancing your kingdom for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.